Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Madison. And good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, and welcome to all those who are uh, viewing online. And uh, we're grateful for another week and another day that we can gather together. And I uh, um, wanted to uh, just to set up a little bit again the context of, of this morning and just kind of the overarching picture that we are journeying on together in chapel, which is journeying through um, this idea of the kingdom of God and using the Sermon on the Mount as our kind of key and core text. Um, but we're taking a, a, a little bit of, a, of a, a different angle of that this week in particular, where usually the first week um, uh, during of October every year that we partner with global, uh, global, global I always call it global engagement, so it's global and local engagement, so GLE, um, which are hosting a number of alternative chapels on Wednesday and Thursday this week. Uh, we partner with them to really to, to have a global awareness. And um, so that's going to be our emphasis and our focus um, as we gather here on, uh, today, as we gather back again here on Wednesday, um, and the speakers that we're having. And this morning, we're really excited and, uh, and delighted to have back Dr. Sammy Wignoni. And uh, he has spoken here before, and uh, I, so he might be familiar to some of you um, as you hear and as you see him. But just a little bit about him uh, he grew up in a small rural western Kenya village, a uh, village in Kenya where he met Jesus at a very early age. And uh, the Lord really set him apart and marked him um, for, to really be a vehicle uh, for global evangelization. And so he, the Lord brought him to Minnesota and studying at Bethany, uh, with Bethany Global Missions and then getting a master's degree at Bethel University just across the lake from here. And in 2005, um, launched a, a global evangelism and leadership mission called Shine, which you're going to be hearing more about today, and really hearing about the kingdom perspective and the kingdom opportunity that we have, as Sammy really brings a perspective that the kingdom is both a global mindset, but yet uh, equips us to act in tangible everyday ways locally, right where the Lord has planted us. And so let me pray for uh, Dr. Sammy, and then um, when I say amen, there's going to be a video that's going to share a little bit about the ministry of Shine, and then he's going to come and speak to us. So would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you again for your grace that truly is amazing. Lord, that we will literally spend all of eternity declaring how incredible, how awesome, how majestic your grace is. And God, thank you that we are here this morning because of your grace, that we get to gather because of your grace, that we get to worship you because of your grace, that we get to be called your sons and daughters because of your grace. And Father, we pray that this morning that, that uh, Dr. Sammy, that, his, that he would be a, a, just a, a fresh channel of your grace, a conduit of your grace to us, that as he speaks and proclaims your word, as he brings the testimony, the gospel, the kingdom of God, that your grace would be at work in our hearts, that our hearts would be good soil to receive and to take your word would take root and would produce kingdom fruit that would last for your glory. So Father, for all those that are here in this room, for those that are online, I pray again by the power of your spirit, close the gap of our geographical distance and I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us into a tangible collective encounter with you together as your community here at Ark Western. We love you, we thank you and praise you, and we surrender to you now joyfully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll turn your attention to the screen. In crisis, oftentimes sides become irrelevant. This is a time where it doesn't matter your age, race, religion, or background to see that our storylines must merge to bring positive change. 
In this time of uncertainty, fear, and panic, we must not allow our differences to drive us apart, but to bring us together. There will be a time where we are all one. There will be a time where unity isn't built on race. A time where we are valued for the content of our heart. We are mourning together, yet we are believing for the time we will celebrate together. We are experiencing this together, and we will come out stronger. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Justin, for the invitation. And to all of you here at Northwestern, at the University of Northwestern, um, it's a blessing to be back with you. Amen. Um, and I just uh, thank God because this is a great opportunity for us um, as followers of Jesus Christ uh, to really shine his light uh, in this season and in this hour. Uh, as you heard, I grew up in Kenya. I'm uh, one of 23 kids in my family. I don't know how many of you have 23 siblings. Um, but, uh, you know, I thank God because his mercy and his goodness uh, and his love uh, was so present right there in that little village uh, that I grew up in. And as one of 23, you know, we could have gone in so many directions. Um, if we had grown up here, we'll probably have had a TV show or, or something like that. Um, but in Africa, you know, we, we didn't have that. Uh, however, uh, the grace of God did find us and did uh, draw us closer to himself. Uh, and personally, you know, came to know Jesus very young and experienced his power and his goodness and his mercy. Now, I remember several years ago, I was sitting in chapel just like you are sitting this morning. Um, it was a special conference. I was a college student, and we had this speaker that was visiting. And um, as he was preaching, I was a little tired and kind of falling asleep a little bit. Um, and then uh, he asked the audience, he said, you know, can a city be changed in a single day? And uh, kind of half asleep and half awake, I said, no. You know, and then he repeated again, can a nation be changed in a single day? And again, I, I spoke up loud, um, uh, um, oblivious to everybody else around me, and said no. And everybody burst out in laughter uh, because it, it felt a little bit odd and out of place. Uh, but, you know, he spoke up, he followed up, he said, you know what? Uh, you young man that is seated right there, um, with your own eyes, one of these days you'll see a city changed in a single day. And with your own eyes, you'll see the glory of God overshadow a nation in a single day. And, you know, God is an awesome God because he took this moment where I was tired and sleepy, you know, and uh, I had just had lunch. It was in the afternoon. And God used that moment to really plant this seed of his grace and his power and his presence in my own life. Now today, uh, of course, 20 years later, um, I lead a, a global a mission or enterprise uh, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people all around the world. I'm glad because by his grace and by his mercy, we've brought the gospel to over 3 million people in different parts of the world. And I rejoice, you know, because of God's goodness and God's love. I've had the privilege to pray with over, you know, half a million people to receive Jesus in their hearts, in places like India, in places like, you know, Kenya, Rwanda, Burundi, uh, all over the world and right here in the United States. 
And this morning, I want to invite you to realize that God has his special hand on your life. God has his mighty spirit over you. Now, Jesus reminds us that he is going to build his church. You know, he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Matthew 16, verse 16 through 18, it says, Simon Peter, when Jesus asked him the question, you know, who do people say that I am? And then he asked him, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter responded and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, and the anointed one, the son of the living God. And right there is the secret to what God is doing in the world. If we get to understand that Jesus is indeed Messiah and Lord and God, then we shall be able to be a people of power and of authority and of the goodness of God in the world. Now, Jesus responds to Peter and he says, you know what? The Spirit of God revealed that to you. You didn't come up with it by yourself. And do you know in this season, in this hour, we need a people of the Spirit of God. People that are able to discern the, the, the wisdom of God. People that are able to enter into the understanding, not of just mere human knowledge, but of the Spirit of God. He calls us to hold ourselves in the tension of understanding what the mind of the Spirit is in the midst of a broken and, um, and, and fallen world. And so Jesus says that I will build my church and the gates of Hades or of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church as you're grounded in this revelation. I'll build my church as you grow in the wisdom and the understanding that I am the Messiah. And how many of you realize that in this hour, the world is searching for a Messiah? The world is looking for an answer. There are those looking to politicians. And we all can attest to how that is not the answer, right? Many are looking to institutions of learning. But you know what? Institutions of learning, we can all attest to it that it is not the answer. But Jesus, in this hour, he stands out. He says, if you understand and grow in this revelation of him as Messiah, we become the hope of the world. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, this summer I've had the privilege uh, to minister right here in the Twin Cities um, after the George Floyd events and, um, and, and just, you know, the, 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 the demonstrations and then the riots that were following that. And I, and I preached quite often at 38th and Chicago, those of you that are familiar with South Minneapolis. And it was interesting every time as we are ministering this message of hope, you know, to see crowds of people coming from different parts of the nation. We had people from, uh, from, from Chicago, people from uh, San Francisco, people from, um, you know, Atlanta and everywhere all across the nation. They will come to the memorial to pay their respects and to express their, you know, the, the, the sadness, the anger. And as a nation, we are in this place that is fractured and, you know, feeling the pain and confusion. But in the midst of all of that, 
sharing Jesus, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, people would realize that, you know what, there is hope for me. There is life for me. There is a future for me if I have this realization that Jesus is Messiah, that Jesus is Lord. Now, we may ask, you know, how do I lean into this moment in the world, in this moment of great brokenness and great, you know, a division? Well, Jesus, speaking to the disciples in Acts 1.8, he said, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses when you receive power, when you receive the Holy Spirit. He'll give you power to become witnesses that I am the Lord, that I am the Messiah. From Starting from Jerusalem, your Jerusalem, to your Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Speaking of, you know, what God can do in the midst of the confusion of the world. You know, there are two stories. In the, there's a story in the Bible that catches my attention, and that is in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9. In this specific um, uh, passage of Scripture, we are told that the sons of, 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 of man gathered together, and they wanted to build this humanistic system. They, they, you know, the Tower of Babel. They were looking to build a humanistic system centered on the homogeneous, rational, and autonomous self. They said, let us make, let us build a tower. And let us, you know, dwell together, lest we get divided. <clears throat> now, they were directly con uh, contravening God's command to Adam to go multiply and fill the earth. They said, we're not going to go multiply. We want to be safe. We want to be, you know, just together. We want to huddle together. And we're going to build a tower that reaches to heaven. And we want to be, you know, one people, just us, without regard to God. They wanted to be to eat the same food, speak the same language, be in the same geographical space. They're going to go vertical. God had said, go horizontal. They said, no, we're going to go vertical. We're going to build a tower where we can see each other. And we're not going to pay attention to God. We're going to be masters of our own destiny. And we're going to build our own path. And we're going to have this great humanistic society. We're going to speak one language. God is not welcome in this space. Come, let us build a city, a tower with its top to the sky. And you know what? We are living in a time such as this people. A time that is pulling us away, saying, hey, let us build for ourselves a nation. Let's build ourselves a, a society. Let us build a humanistic society without God, without regard to the commands of God who created us. If you're a lover of God, you contravene, you know, our aspirations as the human society. But then, in that moment, we are also told that God responded, and he said, you know, to, to the Trinity, he said, 
come, let us go down. They said, let us build up. God said, okay, I'm going to go down. I want you to know that no matter what you do, you're still down. And so I'm going to go there, and I'm going to confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. Doesn't it sound like today? It is hard to understand each other's speech. One says that, and the other says that. Our cities are at loggerheads. Governments are at loggerheads. Human neighbors are at loggerheads with each other. And the Bible tells us that God came down, confused their speech, and there the Lord scattered them throughout the whole world. It tells us one thing, that when we are not anchored in the revelation of God, and we seek to build our own lives and society with our own strength based on human systems, guess what? What could be divine strength turns out to be a weakness for us. It leads to confusion. It leads to discontent. This society, they were confused. They got confused. And we're told that they began to speak different languages, not because God was empowering them to expand his kingdom, an act of grace though it was, but because of this confusion and diversity of language, they became more and more confused. They could not understand each other. And because they didn't understand each other, it naturally led to discontent. They began to fight rather than build. They began to fight with each other. And there was this irreconcilable social and ethnic warring that began. Because the Bible tells us that God scattered them and then they divided and went all over the world. Then what followed? Of course, there is economic collapse. The tower that they had intended to build, this economic tower, this economic system did not land them where they had hoped and anticipated that they could be. You see, when we build our own systems without God, when we exclude him in our lives, it leads to confusion, it leads to discontentment, to irreconcil irreconcilable social and ethnic warring and economic collapse, but most tragically to godlessness, to godlessness. Now, God came and confused them as a show of his grace and mercy, because otherwise, they will have continued in rebellion and they will not have experienced the grace of God. But on the contrast in the New Testament, we see God doing something new, which he continues to do today. In Acts 2, we are told that on the day of Pentecost, God started something new. God began to build his church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. God shapes this moment of redemption. He provides an antidote to Babel and all its present and future Babels by sending the Holy Spirit. God takes this homogeneous group of people, they are called Galileans, 120 of them, 
and miraculously fills them with the Holy Spirit and gives them this cross-cultural competence to articulate the kingdom of God to a multicultural public square. There are all these nations that are gathered in Jerusalem. They have come from North Africa and Europe and all around Asia and parts of Africa, and and they're gathered in Jerusalem. And God fills the disciples with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they begin to articulate the truth of the kingdom of God. See, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit of God, He takes you, He turns you around, He makes you a powerful instrument in his own hand. When I was seven years old, one day I was praying in my little village hut. You know, we, we grew up where there were, in those days we just had little huts with grass thatch and round little huts that we lived in. And uh, this, this day, this specific day, I was about seven years old and I'm praying with my brother uh, who is 10 years older and he had told me of his experience when he went to college Um, He met some young people that were so on fire for God and and that, that he, you know, he could not help it but get on fire with God. And so when he got back after his first semester, you know, he was praying all night. He was, you know, witnessing, sharing the good news with everybody and anybody. And out of curiosity, me and another one of my brothers were like, you know, what happened to you? And he said, you know what, when I went to college, I met with these young people that prayed for me, and I got filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that is what you're seeing in my life. Would you like to be full of the Holy Spirit as well? Now, I didn't understand a whole lot about what that means, but it looked like a great thing. And I said, you know what, yes, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. And so with the innocence of a seven-year-old, I I knelt down and he laid his hands on me to pray for me. And he said, you know what? God is going to fill you up. And in that moment, in this village, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, I was speaking in another language that was not my Luhia language that I was used to. I was speaking in perfect English, believe it or not just like I'm speaking right now. A language that I hadn't learned up to that moment, but suddenly I could be able to articulate and speak clearly and beautifully and articulate well the glory of God. I was praising God. I was declaring that God is wonderful, declaring the Psalms and, you know, the beauty of God's holiness and wonder and and, and amazing grace. And so here God had taken this seven-year-old in a little village where people didn't speak English, and God gave me supernaturally this ability to speak English. It felt like Pentecost. And from then on, God began to use my life. Because so I'll go to places, and I had, my little, I had a, a small little Bible that I'll carry with me. It was in King James English. And I'll read it, you know, in places I'll, I'll stand up and, you know, my, my dad was a village evangelist. He'll bring me along often. And he'll say, you know, I have my eight-year-old son, you know, he's, he's, uh, God has given him this special gift. He's going to 
read the Bible in English and he's going to pray. And that is how I started my ministry, right there in the village. Because as soon as we'll stop, uh, we'll step, you know, in these marketplaces, crowds will come from all over and they will surround us in these little African villages and I'll proclaim the good news of Jesus. And I'll see people coming to Christ. It was a fresh Pentecost that God had given me in that moment. And God is doing something new even today, right here in the Twin Cities, right here on our college campuses, right here in America and all around the world. When God fills us with the Holy Spirit, one of the things he allows us to be able to be, he gives us this, you know, um, cross-cultural, multicultural competence where we are able to cross barriers and share his message of grace and love with people that sometimes may be a little different than us. You see, in the midst of disorder, God wants to bring order. In the midst of the chaos, God wants to bring creative balance. God wants to bring creative power and energy so that we see a recreation of our world in the image of God, in the grace of God, in the mercies of God. America today is looking for young people that will be passionate for Jesus, that will be passionate for the glory of God, that will be passionate for the salvation of God to reach all people. And it is anchored in the reality that Jesus is Messiah, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, when Jesus births the church, he births it as an affront to humanistic efforts and their divisive, racialized, and godless ways. And God seeks to bring together. He seeks to heal. He seeks to unite. He seeks to bridge the gap. He seeks to elevate us so that we experience his uplifting grace in the world. You know, today in the Twin Cities, we have over a hundred different nationalities, um, over a million people that call the Twin Cities their home from over different nations. And that is why we have this mission, Merge Twin Cities, because we are looking to bring the gospel of Jesus into all of these pockets of the nations that God has brought here. And it makes the, 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 the Great Commission the message of Jesus to go proclaim the good news so relevant in this hour. It is not over there. It is right here among us, in our cities, in our neighborhoods. And the responsibility for us is to proclaim Jesus because Jesus wants all people from everywhere, from every ethnic background, experiencing his mercy and his grace. And so next fall in September, we'll be gathering at Alliance Field to celebrate the nations, to celebrate the good news of the kingdom of God. In fact, today after chapel, you can feel free to stop by our table in the back because we have more information for you that you can gather uh, and, you know, be praying for that hour. But you are the soldiers, the foot soldiers for Jesus. We are the foot soldiers for Jesus. 
in Revelation 7, 9, we see this beautiful picture. It is a picture, a consummative picture of how the kingdom of God looks like at the end of the day. The Bible tells us that after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There is people from every tribe, from every nation, from every language. There is this diversity in the kingdom of God, but yet united in who God is. It's sort of like a university, right? Unity in diversity. But it is in the presence of God as we worship him and we elevate him and declare him Lord of lords and King of kings. With the one and a half, with the one million people here in the Twin Cities, we have an opportunity to see the glory of God touch, you know, the Hmong, the Latino, the Hispanic, um, the, the, the Kenyans, the Nigerians, the Filipinos. See, we have over 250,000 Latinos. We have over 100,000 Hmong right here in the Twin Cities. We have 90,000 Somalis. We have, you know, 55,000 Russians. We have about 55,000 Oromia from Ethiopia. We have about 42,000 Liberians right here in the Twin Cities. Now, 90% of the of the ethnic communities in the Twin Cities, 90% of the population don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. What if we purposed in our hearts, you know, as a student, you say, you know what, I'm going to give my life and my time to reach out to somebody who may not be like me. I'm going to search out this community. I'm going to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. What if you said, you know what, I'm going to pray and ask God to show me. One of the greatest memories for me in my college days, one of the great habits I developed, you know, I'll, I'll wake up every morning, and I'm not saying you should do this, but I would wake up every morning at, at 4.30. Now, I know in college sometimes we go to school late, I mean to bed late. But every morning at 4.30, I could feel the Holy Spirit waking me up. And I would walk, I would walk across campus and into the chapel. There was this little, you know, prayer chapel that I went into every 4.30 for four straight years. You know, I went into that little chapel every morning and I would spend time in prayer. I would spend time, you know, praising God. I would spend time seeking the face of God. And that is where my passion got fueled. That is where my character got shaped. That is where I experienced the continuing presence of God. Now, I know there were people that had come on campus because they were looking for spouses, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. 
And I remember in this little college where I went, you know, before I went to Bethel, um, I, you know, I, I, I was one of a few uh, that ended up graduating before I found my own spouse. Now, God brought my spouse later. And, you know, the other day I was looking on Facebook and, and one of my classmates was, uh, you know, he, he was remembering those days and mentioning the fact that of all of our class that graduated in 2001, I was the one guy who left without having found, you know, a, a marriage spouse. <laughs> but I was the one guy every morning at four, I'll be up and I'll be in chapel, you know, praying, seeking God. Now, God had a special plan. I'm, I'm thankful because, you know, he led me to my wife and, you know, we have three beautiful kids today. But in those moments of seeking God, I got clarity, I got understanding, I got insight, I got, you know, the, the passion and the unction to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God that today continues to carry me around the world. And when we see this gathering of the nations here, it is an opportunity. Don't wait to go to Zimbabwe or Timbuktu or Madagascar to share the love of Jesus Christ because those nations are right here in the Twin Cities. And just like on the day of Pentecost, when you see the gathering of the nations, it is a recipe for revival. It is a recipe for an awakening. And as young people, as we present ourselves to God and old alike, you know, teachers, professors, as we present ourselves to God, God is able to use us to the glory and honor and praise of his name. Will you commit yourself even today to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ right here in the Twin Cities? Such as out, Maj Twin Cities. And, you know, we would love to see hordes of volunteer students, you know, from the University of Northwestern coming in even at Allianz Field next summer, God willing, as we celebrate the nations, as we, as we gather to proclaim Jesus as Lord and as God. You can connect with Ned right there at the table after this. But right now, I want to pray for us because it is a season that requires us to be sharp requires us to be present to the Holy Spirit of God as Jesus is building his church. Maybe you're watching online uh, right now and, you know, you, you, you feel the action, you feel the pull. I want to pray for you too that right there where you are, Jesus will fill you with the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. And in this moment, instead of being intimidated, we shall be emboldened by the glory, by the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day, that in this hour and in this season, you're doing a new thing. Right here in the Twin Cities, right here on the University of Northwestern, and all across the United States. We pray today that you embolden us and empower us to be a people of power, to be a people that are anointed to face the world in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the brokenness of our society, that we shall be instruments of hope and of the grace and the mercy of God. 
we thank you because upon the revelation of who you are, you will build your church from all people, from all backgrounds, from all nations, even today. I pray for every student today that is participating in this chapel service. May you fill them with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And all that are online this morning, may you fill them with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we pray for our city and pray for our nation today. May your grace abound in the midst of the confusion of this hour, that we shall be instruments of righteousness and of the grace of God and of the mercy of God even now. We pray these things in Jesus' great and mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed this morning.